Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on The Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, where having a high sports IQ is important in real life. Like if you look at free agency coming up this week, people are going to make some dumb signings. That's what happens. Sometimes you have a GM that doesn't have a high sports IQ, but when it comes to hiring, you don't need a high hiring IQ. You just need ZipRecruiter. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for NBA, NHL, baseball, whatever, you know what to do. Use promo code BS. I use SeatGeek on Saturday. Because I went to the LAFC game, which was just an incredible amount of fun. What a great stadium. I really had a good time. Uh, very entertaining game, fun crowd. They figured out how to manufacture like fun crowd enthusiasm. I had a, I had a, I had a blast. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Don't forget about Binge Mode Harry Potter, which is roaring into... It's third week of podcast. Don't forget about the Ringer NBA show podcast, which is going to be covering draft fallout, free agency, LeBron, all that stuff. I have a couple uh, podcast announcements. We have a rewatchables coming on Thursday, Devil Wears Prada with Amanda and Juliet. And then tomorrow, Cousin Sal is away, is in New York. I am hosting against all odds for him tomorrow. With the degenerate trifecta. And I think we're posting it overnight for Wednesday. So against all odds, me as the guest host for the cuz, Cousin Sal. Coming up, a whole bunch of stuff. First, Pearl Jam. All right, coming up a little bit, my buddy Jacko to talk Yankees and a uh, little politics. And then my daughter is going to give us the team pop culture update for June. Kevin O'Connor is here from The Ringer. Fresh off uh, a 90-hour work week last week. It was good. It's a good time. It was, really good. Fun. It was fun. It was some controversial, uh, some picks, some controversial trades. I value the Miami pick that Phoenix got. Um, or that Phoenix gave up way more than you did. Oh, way more. I mean, look, I mean, it's like we discussed. The 2021 draft could be the year high schoolers are allowed in, but there's also a chance it's not. Like they said, 2021 at the earliest. Maybe the NBA makes it 2022, 2023. Not to mention Miami could be good, uh, but it's a lottery ticket. Uh, that's the good part of it. So just to, to, to follow up on that, the word I've been hearing is, or the phrase is double draft. Mm-hmm. So at some point next decade, there's going to be a double draft. And it might be 21 at the earliest, could be 22. It's going to be 21, 22, or 23. They need to give the teams uh, at least a two-year heads up, maybe even three. And the reason we call it a double draft is one of those drafts, high schoolers are going to become eligible. So you're going to have all the players that you thought were going to be in the draft anyway, and then the entire McDonald's All-American high school class. And I was saying to you, I think from what I've heard, Teams are really scared to give up 21, 22, 23 now. It's one of the many reasons why the Celtics value that Grizzlies pick so much. I think they value that Grizzlies pick 
even more than the Kings pick. I mean, that pick becomes unprotected in 2021. Top eight, top six. Then Which could be the double yeah. draft. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, weird times are ahead for the NBA. Yeah. I do feel like they're going to revamp the draft system a little. I think expansion's a real possibility. Seattle? Yeah, I think I think they could go add two more teams. Um, I think it's ready. The league's loaded with a lot of talent. And they need... Uh, they need to figure out some of the cap stuff. Sil- Silver alluded to like the the idea of a hard cap, right? Yeah. It, it's almost like a, a preventative measure. So KD to a 73 win team that almost won the finals never happens again in the future. Well, I think the biggest mistake they made um, this decade was not staggering that 2016 cap, which they knew yeah. they knew mm-hmm. that was going to be a problem. They talked about it. They tried to get the players union to buy in the players union um, as always, making the wrong decision. Like the players <laughs> union over and over again screws up. And in that case, was just indefensible because um, you're going to look at the market this year and really nobody has cap space. You have these free agents. Like I heard Anus Cantor was going to potentially opt out of his yeah, next contract. Where's that, he getting $18 that, million that's next year? weird. I, I, want, I, I would think for some of these guys, you want to lock in this year, like a one-year deal, maybe a one and one and then hit free agency next year when it's a mini bump to around 108. Like this year is going to be around 101, 102. Get, 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 and get a little bump next year. Maybe you get paid more long-term. So Atlanta has like $20 million in cap space. Dallas has like 25. Philly's going to have around 26. Indiana might have potentially a lot if Thad Young opts out of his contract, yeah. which he actually, that might not be the worst idea if he did. Um, He's at 13.7, I think. Yeah. But even for him, it could end up being a mistake. Yeah. I, I guess it depends on what your priorities are. If you want like a four-year deal, eight per, to get that long-term security. Like four for 32, yeah. something like that. But it feels like for someone like Thad Young, you can get that next summer too. Doesn't and then it? there's some interesting opt-out guys. Like I didn't realize Milos might leave the Clippers. And maybe mm-hmm. that was, we were at the draft. I couldn't figure out why they took two guards. But I think one of the reasons was Milos is on for six. They can buy him out for two and they're very close to luxury tax. There's some there's some really fun free agents. For they're sure. Not, they're not marquee free agents, but there's a lot of free agents in that kind of Milos, Marcus Smart. Oh, yeah. These guys that are like the fourth, fifth he, starter guys. Like even a Trevor Ariza type. Yeah. Someone like that. Derek Favors. There's a handful Derek of interesting Favre's names. a fun one. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like him for a team, like a Pacers or something like that. You know, add, add a big to their rotation. Prove Aaron Baines. Name. Aaron Baines. There's a lot fun. of those yeah. guys. There's a lot of guys who could play in a playoff series for you on the right team. And then, like, you know, JJ and Ilyasova and uh, Bellinelli. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go on down the line and there's just a lot. I think... But then there's not a lot of money, too. Not a lot of money. No. Which I had heard that uh, Indiana's going to make a run at Marcus. Schroeder on Atlanta. Who Very available. Has clearly going to trade. Yeah. So one of the trades that I think it's starting to trickle out was available was Schroeder for um, basically like Bledsoe and trying to figure the 17th pick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bledsoe expires next year. Atlanta's trying to cut bait, yep. get to that Schroeder thing. I still like him for Orlando though. By the way, I, we've argued about Schroeder and I think I've changed my mind on him 20 times, but like, I don't know, Schroeder, he's like 23 years old. He's I thought young. he was better last he's year. He's young. I had a conversation this week with somebody in the league and and he's like, he, he's like, I heard you on the podcast or whatever it was saying, Schroeder, you wouldn't want him on your team. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't. But then he's like, but he made the counterpoint. He's like, but look how young he is. Think about his situation. He's still a young guy, put him in a new environment. He's not a bad dude necessarily. 
Maybe he he matures the new situation. Maybe having continuity on the roster helps him. Maybe having a a proven head coach helps him. And yeah. it's true. Like he's had nineteen and six this year, and he's had some impressive games over his career in the NBA. So if you're a team like Orlando, right, that needs a point guard, maybe he's someone you gamble on for the next three years. There was I was messing around with the trade machine with it this weekend, where they could take back basically Biombo and. Uh, either Shelvin Mack or Terrence Ross is expiring mm-hmm. and put in Schroeder, but then put in the the bad Plumley. Yep. make Orlando take that contract, take basically it would all work out. Maybe get like a, a conditional first or like a high second or something like that. I, I think if I'm Orlando, I really want to get a decent point guard because I don't want to throw away Mo Bamba's rookie season with DJ Augustine and Shelvin Mack. It, you know, and for them, it's like you have a stabilizer on the roster. Uh, I just wonder if if he's the guy because he's someone who you would almost want him to hone back some of the scoring sometimes and develop more facilitating skills. I think when he came into the draft, that's almost what I expected him more to be. He like people yeah. compared him to Rondo, and watching him overseas, that's the guy he did remind you of not just his body, but sometimes his game with a pass first, you know, mentality with a, with hints of scoring. Yeah. And it's kind of flipped and, and who knows, maybe having an Aaron Gordon and, and Mo Bamba around him does turn him more into a passer in Orlando. I still like him cause he's competitive and I liked how he played against better teams. Like he mm-hmm. had some good games against the Celtics last year. Um, I remember, I don't remember if it was this year or the year before, like he had one game where he went at Cleveland really he had like a monster game against Cleveland. Um, he has some big games. Like, like there's that upside. I'd like him. to see him on a good team. I, I, so not Orlando then. <laughs> well, maybe not Orlando, but Milwaukee would be fun mm-hmm. if they could get a uh, Bledsoe and I don't know whatever else. Maybe Thon Maker. They could have one more tall guy who doesn't really totally know what he's doing. Hey, um, what uh, what else are you looking forward to? Is because so we have July first is Friday. No, sa- uh, Saturday. Saturday or is it Sunday? Sunday. But the oh the the opt out date is June 29th for some of these yes. guys. So that is Friday. And then July 1st is Yes, it is Sunday. Sunday. Yep. Yep. And we're going to find out if LeBron is opting out, I would guess the day before. Mm-hmm. His his date is June 29th. So, so so if he opts in that means either A he's staying with Cleveland or he's going to do the Chris Paul thing. I feel like he if traded. he opts in that means he's getting traded. I mean it's always possible he, he could stay, but I'm doubtful. Are you still hearing Cleveland and Lakers and that's it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little hint of Philly. Um, Just because of the Kawhi Lake, possibilities. Yeah, and, and you know, the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, the fact that they are, like, if they add LeBron James, they are East favorites. Um, I think that that's still there. I still think it's mostly between the Lakers and Cleveland, though. So is there a chance nobody, he can't get anyone else to come in with him? Because I didn't think there was a chance... But now you read over the weekend, Sam Amick reported that uh, the Spurs are just not going to trade Kawhi to the West. I don't 100% know if I believe that. I think it's an interesting bargaining stance. It's leverage, really. Right. I think ultimately you have to make the best trade you can make. You can't just rule out 15 teams. I agree. But um, like I think Brandon Ingram, like let's say the Lakers put him on the table. If you're the San Antonio Spurs, are you really going to let the fact that the Lakers are in the West change the fact that you're going to get a 20-year-old prospect who is rising and flashes not just his 
scoring potential at the end of last season, but his passing yeah. when Lonzo Ball was. Are you really going to say no to that? And he's I, like I still, he turns 21 this Only year? Only 20. Yeah. Only 20 years old. This next season, he's 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I prefer him over Jalen Brown as a prospect. So it's like, are you are you going to... Really? You think he has higher trade value than Jalen? I don't know about trade value because Jalen's more proven in playoff situations, but I think as a prospect long term, yeah. Ingram is... is such a such so much more fluid as a ball handler. Jalen is still rigidy and herky jerky a little bit. Um, but but Brandon Ingram with his passing skill, his feel, his length, I, I I think long term he could be the better player. The problem is they would have to put Dang's contract in the trade, which mm-hmm. I would want no part of with the Spurs. There's another way though, um, because they do have cap space, so potentially they could offer just Ingram and Kuzma mm-hmm. for Kawhi, and that's it. Exactly. And the Spurs would save 13 million. And if you're the Spurs, you say, find someone else to dump dang on. Like that's, that's really right. What you can do. I still think Philly is the best Kawhi possibilities. Philly has some interesting stuff because Covington's contract, which I think is like 17 million right now, but next week drops to 10. So it makes it easier for them to trade him now, but they don't, you know, Bayless isn't expiring. It's not, it's half as much money as Dang and it's one less season. They have more assets to kind of go in. I have no idea what Fultz's trade value is. I know if I was a GM, I would actually value him really high and try to Me trade too. for him. Me too. Uh, I, I you think, and I are in the camp of Markel Fultz can still be an sure. NBA guy someday. You know, I think the shots are concerned still, but he showed everything else last year. Yeah. He showed the passing vision. He showed the feel. He showed the athleticism. He showed the ability to get to the rim whenever he really wants to. He played pretty good defense, the most best you can expect for a rookie point guard. Right. He did everything that made him a top prospect, except for the jumper. <laughs> and that's a serious concern. However, if that gets fixed and, you know, if, you know, we look back at this and Fultz's rookie year and think, oh, my God, like how far he's come. Yeah. He's going to be one of the game's best point guards. So if you're a team like San Antonio, you have Chip England. Maybe you feel good about him working with Drew Hanlon this summer. Hey, I mean, I think it's a good situation for him if you're the Spurs. And obviously, for the flip side with Philadelphia, it, your doctor, Glasshow, is the guy Kawhi went to when he was in New York. Yeah. Um, you probably have more confidence than any other team can have in his, his level of um, injury proneness moving forward. Not to mention you have the right assets to plug him in um, into a trade easily. And you mentioned Covington at 17 million, Bill. I, I do wonder if, I mean, you can do it this year, like right now, before the, the year turns at July 1st. But there's also some incentive to waiting, too, because then you have to put Bayless in a trade. Like you have no other choice depending so on Philly how the salaries. Can, yeah, it's better for Philly to dump the Bayless. Sure. Country. You know, and, 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 you know, if you're the Spurs, Maybe maybe you're okay with getting with waiting as well because then you have more time to get more offers too instead of rushing through things. And the other place Fultz could go is Cleveland if if there ends up being LeBron thing too. I I would love to see him on the Spurs because does Cleveland have enough leverage for that though? No, I, I mean if the, if if it's their version of the Chris Paul trade a year ago, you know where LeBron opts in and then they trade him and try to Fultz, get something I, for him. Like, I, I don't know. Fultz and Sexton together would be bizarre. Oh, that'd be fun. But yeah, I mean the the thing with Fultz. The speed that he had, that he showed even in that last month, um, the speed, control, athleticism. With power and size. Yeah, this is not like an Anthony Bennett thing where when he was playing, you just watch and go, wow, I don't even know what that position that guy is. Mm -hmm. And he was out of shape and just it was a disaster from the get-go. Fultz's speed was 
really in the high end. I thought he was one of like the eight or nine fastest guys in the league. And uh, I don't know. I was really impressed. He's good. I mean, look, he went number one for good reason. I, actually th- I really think they made a mistake not kind of floating him out in some of those playoff games. I would have done it in the home games because the crowd would have rooted for him. I'm a little surprised too. It's Brett Brown said this. I think it was maybe right before the playoffs. He's like, if you, if you, you know, if you want risk or be safe, I want to lean towards the risk side, like the the high upside of having someone like Fultz out there. But then again, they put T.J. McConnell out there instead, and he also provided that upside in, in certain games as well. Right. Remember, remember, like yeah. McConnell played over Ben Simmons the game after quarter. the confetti yeah. game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so if the Spurs could end up with Fultz and Sarich. And that Miami pick and something else. And Zaire Smith too. And do Kawhi and then also dump like the Patty Mills contract. I think that's a home run for them. For the Spurs. For a guy. Yeah. For a guy who's going to leave in a year who they clearly have to trade. I don't see who's topping that. I I mean, is there a scenario where they can get an established player for him in a trade? Maybe yeah. I don't know who that player is, but but if you're the Spurs, would you rather that established player, or would you rather like a, a mixture of young guys on the rise with a with a established role player that. like Covington? I would too. And never mind the fact that you're you might be getting a Zaire Smith in that 2020 2021 Miami pick. It's a blend of both, and I think that would allow San Antonio to remain competitive. They won 47 games last year with Kawhi only playing nine, right? And adding a young core to that. It's really, really appealing for the Spurs. What if it was, what if Washington called and just said, we'll give you Beal in our 2021 first and that's it. See, I'd rather have Philly package. I think I would too. And that that's like, there's a theoretical Philly package, but if that were on the table, I'd rather that. Cause the thing is, if they trade Kawhi, now you have to figure out what your team is and why LaMarcus Aldridge is on it too. So it's almost like that might be a two-part deal. If you trade Kawhi, then maybe it makes sense to also then trade Aldridge. Would you would you take that route if you're the Spurs? Would you you know, or would it depend on what you're getting back? Because I've I've thought about this as well. Like if Kawhi gets dealt before July first or in early free agency, I do wonder if they go full quote unquote blow it up mode and get rid of all the veterans, or they're like, you know what, we can win 50 games and have this you know hall of draft picks and young players coming in and developing and being assets for us to build back up. I I I wonder if that's maybe the path to go and but Aldridge is older too. Yes. So, so there's some logic to trade at him when he just had an all NBA season. The 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 X factor is how long Pop wants to coach and that 2020 Olympic team that he's gonna do. And it seems like there's a feeling within the league that he does two more years and his swan song is the 2020 Olympic team. And this is why I just don't see him going out just handing Kawhi over to the Lakers. Even if that's the best possible trade, I still feel like <laughs> he's won five titles. He's a, he's a stubborn guy. And obviously they feel really betrayed by how this Kawhi thing played out. And you saw it last year with uh, with Kevin Pritchard and Paul George, where he passed up trades that people at the time thought were just better trades. Nobody realized yeah. that Old Depot was going to turn into what he turned into. But uh, I think people are like, wow, that was like a spiteful trade. I don't think they even realized he'd be that great. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to get him out of the conference. These, the whole mentality of wanting to get the guy out of the conference is bizarre to me. It's like, oh, we'd only have to see him twice a year. It's like, so instead of three, like, who cares? I understand it if you're a team that has contending aspirations, right? Like, you don't want to deal within the conference. But I also think, you no, know, my philosophy has always been like, just take the best deal. 
I mean, right. we, I mean, just take the best deal. It doesn't matter where the player is going. You need to worry about what you're taking in more so than what you're giving up and where he's going. Uh, if you're taking a lesser deal when you know it's a lesser deal on paper, uh, I think you're just you're just fooling yourself if you do that. Well, there's an underlying piece of this, which is if the Spurs feel like the Lakers have been tampering here the last year, mm-hmm. which I think the tampering buzz around the Lakers right now is <laughs> the highest I've ever heard about a team like teams are just convinced that they're operating like there are no Mm -hmm. rules and even if they get caught so what all right well here's your here's our million dollar fine great it's like rob palenka had that comment last week where he's like people you know might not deal with this is totally paraphrasing because of the banners right because of the history and all the winning it's like well maybe it's because of tampering (laughs) yeah seriously i i think i think they have a really bad reputation Mm. now for you know they've been pretty blatant about who they've been going to lunch with and taking out people and people's inner circles and um, just kind of throwing stuff out, leaking stuff to reporters. And uh, even like that weird Genie Bus tweet last week. Oh, do not underestimate. <laughs> Whatever yeah. it was, yeah. What is that? What does that mean? So, uh, I don't know. I, I think it, Isn't it great? Like all these players and owners even and executives can tweet things that are like, what does that mean? Right? Well, really, <laughs> tampering nice. has been thrown out the window the last few years. I oh, think yeah. we talked about this on last year's podcast right around now it's just like the nba looks the other way pretty much on everything now i don't think they care you have the, you, july 1st comes around and 10 guys sign contracts oh, yeah. within five minutes yeah so these guys are all talking now it, it was we talked about this i think when uh the chris paul trade houston to houston happened how does houston know that chris paul's gonna opt in and how does <laughs> Like all the <laughs> mechanics of that were crazy. Yeah. Obviously, everybody's talking to everybody. Don't say you know Daryl Morey's psychic. Of yeah. course he knows. That's yeah, how. he's telepathic. Yeah. <laughs> but when I had Kyrie on my podcast, he he said something that I thought when he said it was was going to be a story, and nobody even noticed it. He was saying how the tampering starts at All Star Weekend with the players yeah. when they're all mm-hmm. together, and that's when he's like, from that point on, it's on. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense, too. Remember Isaiah Thomas talking with Al Horford? Uh, 20, yeah. 2016 All-Star Weekend. Big, people made a big story about that. And guess what? It turned out Horford signed with the Celtics. Yeah. Hmm. Tamper Central. Uh, would you be stunned if Chris Paul didn't go back to the Rockets? Because um, there's been a little buzz, and you, I can't you, tell how you, real it is. You know, I, I wouldn't be floored by it. Right. You wouldn't um, be flabbergasted. Yeah, but I would be mildly surprised. I think it's a great situation for him in that Dan Tony offense playing alongside James Harden, but I wouldn't be like absolutely blown away. Um, but but I would be a little surprised. Would you be floored if the Celtics did a Jalen Brown and a Kings package for Kawhi in the next like three days? No. I think they should go for it. I think Jalen Brown has become a tad overrated. Oh, yeah, I do. No. I do. And, and it's funny because he's now the overrated. He used to be, underrated, I mean, I mean, he, overrated. He used to be way underrated, yeah. right? Like entering the draft, all Celtics fans are like, want Chris Dunn, you know, want, want Jamal Murray. And it's like, no, Jalen Brown is like a, an elite athlete, you know, with length and scoring upside of his shot uh, um, really, really comes along. And it has. But I, I do wonder, like I said earlier, he still doesn't, he's still not a great ball handler. And maybe, maybe I'm underrating him now, but um, I still haven't seen that progress as much as I would hope to in terms of fluid athleticism, um, in terms of like quick, quick pitch, mo- quick pitch movements, um, driving the ball. And he's going to be a good player for a long time. 
for a very, very long time. But I'm not sure I see that that path to a Kawhi level. I can see a, a Paul George level potentially. You wrote about is, this last week for yeah, us. Still a really good player. Like I could see Paul George. I think he upside. can be a better Paul George. I really do. I think he can be a 2.0 version of Paul George. But even George is still like so much more fluid with the ball. I mean, but I, I he know, wasn't after two years. I know. And Brown, Brown's better now than George was then. And it's certainly the argument. My fear but. with Brown is he sucked in game seven against the Cavs, right? That was his worst game of the playoffs. And I do worry about like the James Harden 2012, mm-hmm. where James Harden, who was just a, a flat out assassin in some of those playoff series, and then in the finals, just had a shitty finals and then got traded. And that was like the last memory of people like, oh, well, he did suck in the finals. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes and he becomes James Harden. I'm not, I don't think Jalen Brown is as good as James Harden, but I don't like trading people after. I wouldn't do anything. I'm not, I've already on the record. I, I just think I like the team they have. I want to watch these guys together. I want I want to keep the Kings pick. I want to root for like I like I just like all the assets. I think the reason why you wouldn't trade put him in a trade for Kawhi is because you don't know the health with Kawhi. You don't know if he's going to leave. No, the health? But, but, I don't but, know his state of mind. But if he theoretically... I'd now were, have Uncle Dennis in my life? Yeah, of course. But if he theoretically were to agree to a long-term deal, and if you were to get assurances that he would be healthy, like let's say this is a theoretical possibility, would you then put Jalen Brown in a trade? Or would you still rather hang on to the young guy and all the rights moving forward with him and see him develop? I would, I would keep it, and I think they have a chance to win the title with this team anyway. And I think Davis is the ultimate prize, not Kawhi. I would keep my eggs in the Davis fair. basket. That's fair. Because then New Orleans in a couple of years could rather trade him to the East than could be to the four West. months from now. Yeah, who knows? We'll see what happens with Everyone the Everyone in the summer. West got better. New Orleans. I guess I they didn't get better. New Orleans. I don't think the summer, though. It's way too soon after the season they had. There's no way they trade in the summer. Oh, I don't think they will either. But I'm yeah. saying in February, he's oh, hurt. Sure. All of a sudden, they're 15 and 27. They lose Boogie this summer, and Boogie's (laughs) thriving with the Mavericks or something like that. Sure. There's some West teams. You know, if Dallas signs Capella or DeAndre, like they might actually be pretty good next year. I'm I'm not saying like a 50-win team, but they might be a 37-win team. Competitive. The Lakers are going to be better next year. Mm -hmm. I think the Kings, the Bagman's going to come in and, and win Rookie of the Year and put up the 23 and 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, but big they time. might be like a 37-win team. They have no incentive to tank because they don't have mm-hmm. their pick next year. And then uh, the Suns is another one. Bridges comes in. Bridges, I think, will be competent right away. Aiton at least gives them you know some athleticism. And He'll Booker, be raw. Booker has gotten better each year. Booker's too. gotten better. Mm-hmm. Their their whole supporting cast. They have money to spend on a free agent. It feels so good to have friends in the Suns train and the Suns bandwagon. Well, they finally. We, <laughs> that's our league pass team for next year. Finally, right? yeah. <laughs> Telling you they they're going to be good in a couple of years. I love their young core. Someone put up a poll on Twitter this morning. Would you rather have the Suns young core or the Lakers young core? Would I'd rather, rather have the Suns. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a really good core. I mean, the reality is they got Booker at 13. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, he'd be like the third or fourth guy in that draft. They got Josh Jackson at four, which I think was the right spot. Maybe even higher for eight Booker. Eight one. Maybe, arguably. I forget who was in that draft. It was a Carl Is that Towns the Towns draft? draft? Yeah, Towns draft. Porzingis. I mean, would you take Por- Por- uh, Booker ahead of Porzingis? Well, now that I know Porzingis has a blown out knee. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the, even before then, I think the argument could have been made. Um, just because six foot six, you know, 25 points per game as a 21 year old, pretty insane. It's I want to really read the Josh Jackson puff piece feature about 
how awesome he's doing this summer. And then I'll be really in on the Suns. Cut, I want to read cut the, his hair. Shot's going to improve now. Just, yeah, just Josh Jackson. All he did was lock himself in a gym and shoot threes. And he's obsessed with becoming awesome at threes. And he's ready to be the best player from that draft. I want to read that piece. I don't, I'm not positive he has that in him. I think he might, but he, I want to read it. Like he, I know like last year, the year after Jalen's rookie year, he was in the gym the next day he demanded to go to summer league and he worked on his game and was really passionate about it. And so the Josh Jackson thing, uh, they also have, they have, I think some expirings that they could potentially make some moves in February, right? Yeah, Chandler, I believe is expiring. Right. Um, Dudley might be expiring as well. I think he is. Yeah. Dudley and Chandler are expiring. Uh, and then they have a couple smaller contracts, like a Troy Daniels type. Um, but that's only 3.2 million, but yeah, they have, they have some, even Brandon Knight, only two years left. How we've forgotten about him, right? Uh, Poor Brandon. Maybe, maybe he comes back and is solid. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. But if not, he's only got two years left. That's not an albatross. We of a should contract. do an oral history of that trade. One of the worst trades oh, of all man. time. That trade was fascinating. That day was wild. Hey, one other thing I heard was that uh, one of the reasons Cleveland took Sexton was because they knew Charlotte liked him, and if LeBron does decide to stay, uh, they know they have yeah. the Sexton and Clarkson for Kemba trade. That, that's right. Sitting there. Makes Which, sense. Which, by the way, is a great trade. I actually really like that trade for both teams. It's, it's, a, it's a little too much for Cleveland, but at least they dumped Clarkson. It's interesting how Charlotte, they liked both Shea Gilgis Alexander, the guy that drafted then dra traded the Clippers, um, and Colin Sexton didn't end up with either of them. I, I thought there was a chance like a month ago, both those guys would be on the board yeah. at 11th pick. Um, and only Gilgis Alexander was granted weren't able to keep him good good deal for them i went to go visit the second spectrum guys on friday and you can basically tell them put this in and see what comes mm -hmm. up and one of the things was guy people at the top of the key who's the most successful because i was like why i couldn't understand why the celtics didn't um put tatum in the cleveland series at 35 feet from the basket at the top clear out the old paul pierce isolation yeah. just dribble like, dribble 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 like, why don't why don't we do that so i was like what are tatum's stats in that and they were awful during the season. He was like 0.75 points per possession. So I was like, oh, that makes sense because he's apparently not good at it. But with that 0.75, what's the context, right? So like that's a bad number in like the grand scheme compared to cuts, which is like, like he 1. had like 1. 60 chances though. Oh yeah, but I mean like with like seven seconds left on the shot, true, shot true, clock, true. that might be, but might be one of your top options. Maybe I still wish they'd done it. The reason I bring it up is me too. They had like the top 12. And it was all the people you would think for like points per possession. James Harden, Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson was like ah. fourth. And I was like, maybe Jordan Clarkson's good. Maybe LeBron was holding him back. <laughs> <laughs> the, Jordan Clarkson. The, put him at the top of the key. Yeah, last two months, or last month or so of the season into the playoffs. Oof. I like the yeah. Sexton Clarkson for Kemba trade is fun. And I do think like, look. If Paul George decides to stay in OKC for one year for 30, the one and one and mm -hmm. wait till next year, if Kawhi gets traded to the Sixers and now LeBron's LeBron's basically going to the Lakers to play the young team, maybe you opt into Cleveland for one more year, your family exactly. moves to LA and you just kind of run it back in yeah. 2019. And then Carmelo's a free agent at that point. You can bring him with you. You can um, maybe get bought out this summer too. Who knows? Right. Now the counter to that is I think all of this stuff has been done for a long time. I think Paul George sure. I think Paul George's been done for like a year. Uh so we'll see. What's we, your we, prediction? Um, where where is LeBron right now? What day is this? June 
June 25th, where is LeBron playing? Same prediction as last summer, Lakers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where's Paul George playing? I think he could do the one-on-one with like OKC, but I'd still lean towards Lakers, yeah. So you'd pick gun yeah. to your head George, Lakers? George, George and LeBron to the Lakers, What yeah. team is Kawhi in? Sixers. Where's Boogie Cousins? Dallas. Dallas? I think Houston probably matches Clint Capella. I don't see how you let him go. Can't I let don't. Go. I think Capella is such go. a great center, and he's gotten yeah. better each year. Like, his passing, he yeah. did not pass like this overseas. He's gotten so much better at passing. He's not great. But he's like, good now. Uh, there's still more room for him to improve. I don't think you can let him go. So the Celtics do nothing. Just maybe minor little things back into the roster. Get Kevin Love? Mm. But but if where does Love go, though? What do you think about Phoenix for him? Uh, you know, I actually, I'm intrigued, but then you are, then you have an eight and love front court, which is really dynamite offensively, but love obviously is just average. The love eight and combo. Yeah. Eight and like, there's a lot of pressure on a young big man to anchor a defense right away. Um, and I think that's unfair to expect from any young big man, even, even for someone that projects as a good defender long-term, um, it, like year one, year two, that could be a really troubling defensive front court. Okay. But you know what? You're not, you're not getting the guy for that that time, though, right? You're getting him for three, four years from now um, when you're ready to make a push. I still like Kevin Love. I want to see him Me on too. a different team. We saw the flashes, right? Yeah. We, when Cleveland started running more off-screen, off-ball actions for him. I think LeBron's really hard to play with. I, I, I think when you're playing with somebody who's that great, who has the ball all the time and is always deciding what everyone else is doing, I think it's it's hard for some people to fit in with that. I think if he was, if Kevin Love was more enabled. I almost, it's it's like you wish LeBron had like uh, pulled a hammy or something for five weeks, and we could have just seen like this is Kevin Love's team for a month. What happens? Could he be the Minnesota Kevin Love again? It was it was like a couple of years ago when Russell Westbrook got hurt, and then KD, you know, elevated, yeah. or vice versa when KD was out and Russell Westbrook elevated. Right? You would like to see that. I think with LeBron, his like, usage rate elevated for sure. Yeah, that, that's always <laughs> elevated though for Russell. <laughs> I think for LeBron, like he needs to. Wherever he goes, he needs to really commit off ball. You know, as a cutter, yeah. right? Even as a screener. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing away the regular season at this point. You I think know, he really yeah. he's working at anything in the playoffs? That that's when he needs to commit. Regular season, who cares for him? My prediction for LeBron is: I think his son being this good at basketball is gonna is gonna uh, really hurt LeBron's basketball career. You think so? Yeah, because <laughs> you know it's really fun watching your kids play sports. Sure, yeah. it's he, my favorite thing. Yeah. Like LeBron's gonna, he all he's gonna want to do is watch his son play basketball. He's it's gonna, he's gonna take his eye off the prize. <laughs> it's gonna be bad for him. So you're going to the NBA awards tonight? Yeah, me and Jason uh, Gallagher. Are you gonna find out some scoop? Uh, we'll see. Uh, what do we do with the red carpet before the show? We'll see yeah. how it goes. Try to find out some stuff. Try to find out some shit for God's sake. Yeah, no, definitely. People will be having some yeah, cocktails. Exactly. <laughs> I don't. I like the fun. idea of an NBA award show, but I don't think it should be. Uh, this late after the I know. season. It, the thing that would make sense to me is if they ever did the entertaining as hell tournament and you had like 10 days off mm-hmm. between the regular season, and the playoffs, and you had a 70 game regular season instead of 80 and all that stuff, you could do it where the final four is at New York city. You know, you have the two games, the two playing games in New York city and there's an award show that night or something. 
I think then it'd be fun. Then you're handing out the awards sure. right after. I think the difficulty is, is you know, as you see with the NFL, with the Pro Bowl, right? Um, to get like, all the you know, people. players don't always come. Like the players in the, in the Super Bowl or or whatever. Um, in the NBA, I'm not sure you get as many players to come. Whereas now it's like put hey, them on Skype. Take a week. Take Guess a weekend what? in LA, right? You know whose speech is going to stink tonight? James Harden's. These guys, it's not like they give good speeches. You know, that, who cares? That'd be interesting. Have people players Skype in, FaceTime. Do a little FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. use social media. KOC, uh, you have a column coming tomorrow on the on the Ringer and a whole bunch of more stuff there in free agency and uh, excellent work in the draft guide. Thank you. And fun doing fun. the Ringer Thursday night show. Oh, that, was that was great. Good time. That, that, those three and a half hours blew by. Felt like the, an hour. The fun. Dallas trade was really funny to rewatch on the uh, on Periscope. Yeah. You can, when uh, Gallagher comes in, it's like he just won the lottery. Exactly. Yes. And Chark's excited. It was awesome. They're high five. They have awkward high fives. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Bill. All right, we're going to bring in Jacko. First, I have some good news. Burrow has reinvented the luxury couch from style to shipping. Burrow's put the time and thought into furniture buying. So you don't have to customize your Burrow sofa to fit your personality by selecting the color, size, and armrest height that's perfect for you. Super comfortable, adaptable. So if your space changes, the modular design allows it to move and grow with you. Burrow assembles and dissembles in just minutes. No tools required. Perfect if you ever have to move. With stain-resistant fabric and a built-in USB charger, Burrow has the durability and functionality to keep up with your hectic life. All Burrow furniture is shipped fast. Shipping is free. Enjoy 30 days of cozy on your Burrow risk-free or try out Burrow in one of their showrooms. Today, they mailed us a couple of these couches. The Ringer staff has been enjoying them, to say the least. Plus, they get sloppy. They spill sodas on it. It's all good. The Burrow just, it can weather the storm. For $75 off your order, visit Burrow.com slash BS. That is B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash BS for $75 off your purchase. And since we're here, don't forget, I am guest hosting Against All Odds for Cousin Sal this week. So yeah, gambling talk. It's coming. Check that out. All right, let's bring in Jacko. All right, on the line right now for the first time in a while, the longtime fan of the failing New York Yankees, Jacko. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. That was quite an intro. <laughs> failing. That's good. Sure. Swept by Tampa. I mean, I know. I don't know. Not, not ideal. This could be the end of the season. Yeah, it's probably all she wrote. Might as well pack it in. We'll see you in 2019. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually watched last night. I'm now now that the NBA is over. I am now in the hate hate watching the Yankees portion of my summer. Sure. And uh, and I really enjoyed the last couple of innings, and I enjoyed the walk off homer by Tampa, and the sadness in the Yankees announcer's voice, and right. Uh, all of it was really great. Uh, since the last time we talked, the Yankees had shaped up as a juggernaut, although that uh, was briefly interrupted this weekend. Mm-hmm. Give us your thoughts. On this Yankee team, your favorite of the decade? Oh, easily! Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. No, I I love them. I love the kids. It's you know, it's an odd position to be in as a Yankee fan to hear about these prospects and see them come up and actually perform. You know, Glaber and and Duhar, which is how he pronounces it. So it's great to see. And you know, they've they've developed into an offensive juggernaut where they're never out of games. And and people throw back a tweet that I had in April in the in the 
dog days of April when things weren't looking so great for the Yanks and they had blown like a some you know huge lead against Tampa. I think they've had a lot of problems with Tampa. I forget if it was Tampa or Toronto, but they blew a lead, and I'm like, this team has no heart. Now people <laughs> regularly throw it back in my face on Twitter, which is fine because it means the Yankees are doing you know coming back from behind. The other day they were losing five to nothing to Seattle and came back to win with. Uh, John Carlos Stanton's big first Yankee moment, mm. a big home run to win the game. So, um, you know, they, they have a lot of offense now, and their bullpen is, has been fantastic with the exception of Chase and Shreve, but the rest of their bullpen has been lights out. Dylan Batances is back to his old form. Maybe yeah, he really is. He's been amazing. He's been phenomenal for the past month or so, and they have this kid, Jonathan Holder, all he does is come in and, and save leads or keep the game right where it is. He's been great. So between their lineup and their uh, bullpen, I mean, it's really been magical. And I saw a semi-scary stat the other day when they were 50 and 22 that the, they've gone, they've won 50 games and 72, 50 wins in 72 games, seven times previously, and all seven times they've won the World Series. Ah, well, let's just cancel the playoffs so, then. Yeah, pretty Should much. Should we just it's send over. the trophy? We'll just start planning the parade, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they've looked good. Now they their starting pitching is questionable at best. They essentially have you know one quality starter in Luis Severino, who, who's phenomenal. Um, I thought they had a little something with Domingo uh, Herman. I would have said that last week, but not after yesterday's performance because he's had some crazy stats where he has the highest uh, swing and miss percentage. He, he was the third highest swing and miss percentage behind only Scherzer and Chris Sale, mm. and, and it was, which is pretty phenomenal. But then yesterday he got lit up by the Rays, so maybe we'll hold off on the Cy Young presentation for Domingo at this point. I have um, him on. Uh, I have him on my AL keeper team. And yeah. was just he's really rough, he's rough first inning and after that he usually gets better, but yesterday he didn't. Yeah, he throws gas. He does. I, I just like him. He seems like the kind of guy who's gonna be like two and a half years from now really good. But the right Yankees now this, the yeah. Yankees in recent years have developed this organizational philosophy of getting pitchers that just throw heat like ridiculously. Yeah. They don't want any junk ball. They, you know, they brought up this kid Loisaga and he you know, he throws ninety two ninety nine. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, they're raw because they're young and they, you know, Loisaga has some problems with the strike zone, but you know, I like these guys that throw gas, just like throw it by somebody because especially in today's game, everything's either a home run or a strikeout. So if you have a guy that throws hard and, you know, hitters can't catch up with it, that's just good the way the guys swing nowadays. So that's good. I mean, they could definitely use another starter without question because, you know, as I said, they have they have Severino and then they have Tanaka, who unfortunately pulled both hamstrings because he had to play in a National League park and run. They have Sabathia. Put, wait a second, he he pulled both hamstrings. He did. Yeah. I don't know if I knew this. Base. What's that? He pulled both of them at the same time. Yeah, I think so. I think both hamstrings were pulled. He was on third base and he had to tag up and run. I mean, we've had this conversation forever about how ridiculous it is that baseball has two different rules for two different leagues. Yeah. And it's more so now that we have interleague play and these these American League pitchers then have to do something that they probably haven't done since high school and and hit and run the bases. You almost get afraid when – I definitely get afraid when they have to get on base because it essentially ruined Ching Ming Wong's career. He, he was never the same. Yeah, and and then they had Tanaka, and you know, and guys were murdering me on Twitter saying, "Well, he's a professional athlete making millions of dollars; he should be able to run." I'll grant you that, but it's not just running. You know, you have to you have to decide whether to slide into the base or not. 
in Tanaka's case, he had a tag up from third, and you got a catcher waiting for a throw from the outfield. He's got to worry about, well, do I slide or run into the catcher? Those are all things they're not used to doing. It's ridiculous. And, of course, he got hurt. He pulled both hamstrings, so, which is ridiculous to think about, a professional athlete that can't run 90 feet, but there's a lot more involved in it than that. So it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, we had, so he's on the shelf. The Red Sox had that when – and it wasn't an interleague game, but uh, the idiot John Farrell – who wasn't an idiot when we won the World Series, but turned into one. He had Stephen Wright pinch running in that game. Yeah, I and remember he, that, And yeah. he blew out his knee. Right. And he's out for like a year and a half. Uh, right. Yeah, pitchers on the base pass, it's, uh, you never know what you're going to get. I, I personally enjoy it. Guy, if you're a National League player, you're used to that. You know, it's probably practiced in spring training. Mm. You know, the American League, they have, you know, they do sliding drills and things, but like, I don't even know, do pitchers participate in that? Or they spend like 10 minutes doing it because they have other, they have to work on pitching and it's only going to come up in interleague. But it's it's asinine that you have two different rules in two different leagues. So your least they favorite. Did that in 1973 to placate people that didn't want the designated hitter, that they would still have old timey baseball. It was almost like a temporary provisional thing. And here we are 45 years later and we still have two different rules two different leagues. Yeah, you know, change is good. You know it's a good rule? The intentional walk rule. Like, Where they just hold up the four fingers? Yeah, like Stanton last night in extra, or yesterday in extra innings. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're going to walk him. All right, next batter. And then the game just keeps going. I really want to get rid of the pickoff throw. That's become my new obsession. <laughs> really? Yeah, just put a line at, at, at each base and you get to move, you know, seven feet off the bag but you can't go over that line until the pitcher throws or starts throwing the ball. And, okay. and there you go. You're, you're not in with me on that one. No, I, I'm not. Cause he, you know, it's, it's a way to get the base runner to go back to the base. If he's leaning one way or the other, you got to pick off. Don't you love a pickoff? No. Andy Pettit was the king of that. I, I really don't love a pickoff. I'd be fine no. if we never had another pick. If I never had to watch another pickoff throw in my life, I'd be good. No, because then I think guys would, you know, if you have like a Ricky Henderson type, and I realize there's no more Ricky Henderson types, but somebody who's a base stealing threat, the guy's going to steal all the bases if he doesn't have to worry about going back to first. Well, if he can, he can only lead a little, if he can only be five feet off the bag, doesn't that even mm. it out? I want to try it. They should try it in like double A and see if it works. There you go. Um, CC Sabathia. Yes, CC. I mean, he's actually pitched okay, and he's you know he's developed into the aforementioned Andy Pettit. He's developed into an Andy Pettit type because he doesn't have a fastball anymore, really. So yeah. he fools you with arm angles and different speeds and moving the ball up and down and everything. And you know he he's he's a gamer, no question about it. And he's still out there. The other day he had ten strikeouts, but. You know, he's a little up and down, and, and he's definitely hittable. So it's like, if he has a good outing, I'm like, yeah, good for CC. But I just don't, I don't, I don't like count on that. I don't bank on CC going out there and throwing a gem every time. What do you I bank for it? But I don't bank on it. What do you bank on from Sunny Gray other than sadness and <laughs> being traumatized? <laughs> I bank on misery, anger, and the possibility that I'll need a new TV remote from throwing it against the wall. So he's your least favorite Yankee this year. Least favorite, yeah. He's the new Tyler Clippard for me. I, I like when he pitches. You know, I look at my phone in the morning and see what the Yankee schedule is, and see who's pitching, and I see it's him, and like my whole body slumps, <laughs> sag my shoulders. <laughs> I get depressed. It's just so awful. He's just so awful, and he's hard to watch. He is really slow. They had him like speeding up his delivery, and when he did that, he was actually good because he probably was thinking less yeah. and just throwing the ball. And 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 for some reason, he just will not do that. And 
and if they, you know, Michael Kay and Al Leiter or Cohen, whoever's doing the game, they, they treat them like a toddler. Like they're like, is this stuff just too good? Because the ball just moves too much and it's five feet off the strike zone. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think the problem is that this stuff is too good. Yeah. I really don't. So, Let's come up with another like, alternative. You know, it, and it may be that his pitches move so much, but he becomes like a nibbler, and nothing is in the strike zone, and he's almost af- he's afraid to pitch in the strike zone because it gets hit. Super frustrating to watch, incredibly frustrating. And then he gives an interview after the game, like, "Oh, I felt great. I, you know, I thought things went well, except for those five runs I gave up, a hundred pitches in four innings. I thought everything was great. Yeah, it was phenomenal." Sonny. The Red Sox have see it again. Pomerantz is now hurt, but kind of the same type of guy. It's you're. you're you're through four innings and he's at like 128 pitches right? and, and the announcers are talking about how great his stuff is, but 11 people have gotten on base in four innings. And, uh, right. and it's just, I was so happy he went to the DL. I hated when he pitched and the relievers, when those guys are starting, the relievers must be like, all right, guys, <laughs> they're using right. us tonight. <laughs> don't right. go out. Don't go out tonight. We're pitching tomorrow. <laughs> bedtime exactly well that's the problem is that he burns through the bullpen every single time he pitches because he can't get out of the fourth or fifth inning yeah which uh, has been a problem for Sabathia too he doesn't have, he doesn't go long at the games and then you get the bull, you know then it burns out your bullpen for a couple days so it's frustrating so, I'd much rather have you know obviously Severino is great but even a guy like Herman who's up and down the kids throw in 98 99 if they hit it you know you tip your cap he's not afraid to challenge hitters so so when Stanton's PED shipment came like five weeks ago, yeah, it really he, turned things around. Yeah. He just he just shared it with Batanzas. He didn't share it with anybody else. I think he was starting to share it with Sanchez. He was get, but then he hurt himself yesterday. So unfortunately, uh, that was wasted. That's know, too bad. But, yeah, well, you should get um, the rest back and give it to <laughs> give it to uh, Greg Bird. <laughs> yeah, Greg Bird could use a lot of it. He's been so disappointing. Yeah, breaks my heart because Francesa is always singing his praises and said for years like he was the prospect the Yankees had the highest hopes for and I guess I'll chalk some of it up to the fact that he's you know always injured and has been up and down in terms of injuries but I don't know I haven't really seen a lot of production there's been flashes of like a month here you know a month last year in September but every time they bring him up he's you know he's hitting like under 200 and just not, not great I have not him great. I have him on my team too and I have Aaron Judge who I've now have to like subconsciously kind of sort of root for yeah, you got everybody loves Aaron Judge though. It's kind of fun to have Aaron Judge on your team. You know who's yeah. not fun to have on your team? Greg Bird. No, he's been bad. He strikes out pretty much every third time. I mean, that's the thing that's heartening as a Yankee fan. Is you know the Yankees are well, they, I guess they were what fifty and twenty five now, whatever after getting swept by Tampa. And um, you know, until recently, Stanton hasn't been hitting. Sanchez hasn't hit at all. He's got four no. runs, but he's hitting like a buck ninety. Greg Bird hasn't done anything, so you're getting like no production from first base, and you know catcher you're getting some pop, but you're not getting a high average. And Stanton, who was supposed to be a world beater, you know now he's starting to look like that, but for a good portion of the season, he was not a world beater. So the fact that they're they've been as dominant as they have been is a good sign because you figure maybe not Greg Bird, but Sanchez and Stanton will will start to do what they're supposed to do. Well, you play Philly these next three games. And right. then a day off, and then yeah, home Showdown. for the Red Sox. All right, let's go through this, Mike. <laughs> Fr- Friday night, Sabathia against Rodriguez. Yep. Who are you liking that one? Well, I always like the Yankees at home, but Sabathia, you don't know what you're going to get. And Red Sox have a crazy 
record when Rodriguez pitches. Now he he got beat the other day, I think. But uh, he got shelled. Like I saw some crazy stat where like in Chris, before yesterday, Chris Sale starts. They were like eight and eight. The yeah. Red Sox and his starts, and they were like weren't they like fifteen and two or thirteen and two or something when Rodriguez starts? A lot um, of support. Something like yeah, he he didn't pitch well in the last game. That feels to me like a Friday night. Uh, like 11 to 9 type slugfest. Yeah, fest. I could totally see that. And maybe somebody gets hit by a pitch and bench is clear, yeah. but nothing happens. Right. Then I'm really excited about Saturday's game, which is going to yeah. be on Fox. It's a 7-15 affair. Chris Sale. <laughs> oh, God. Going against the man, the myth, Sonny Gray. It should uh, be Lord great. I'm really looking forward to it. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm clearing out my whole Saturday. I'm go. I'm gonna go out and not watch TV. The Sunny Gray buffet ta- buffet table will be open. Oh Lord, will it ever? God help us. That's a terrible matchup. I don't like that at all. So I think you win Friday. We win Saturday, and then the rubber match. Unfortunately, is Sunday. Uh, Luis Severino, who's frightening, there you go. against uh, David the Yankees own me day uh, price. Oh, perfect. Well, yeah, let's hope that purple great. tunnel doesn't act up. Hopefully, uh, not great. hopefully, there's no big Fortnite tournaments going on this lead, uh, leading into that week. Your, so. jo- your jokes are bouncing right off me. He's been really, <laughs> he's been really good for. Eh, how many? This is eh. Since I think May twelfth, the carpal tunnel outbreak. Whenever they last played the Yankees, and he he had the terrible carpal tunnel that would prohibited him from pitching. He's been okay since then, right? He's been pretty good. Eight eight start sample size. Now he's been really good. He won, he won six of seven starts, and he lost last week. But he's 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 I, I gotta say he's pitched well. He had one start like two starts ago where his last pitch was I think. 96, which was... Yeah, I saw your tweet about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he's pretty consistently mid-90s and looks pretty comfortable. But the Yankees are the are the hump that he has not been able to get over as a Red Sox He's player. probably shaking right now, wrapped in a blanket, worried about Sunday already. Yeah. So... Six days away. The Red Sox... I just want to tell you how much I love Julio Daniel Martinez. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Speaking of PED shipments... <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally uncalled for. Well, it's just I had to reciprocate. All right, that's fair. Uh, yeah, he's been amazing. The Hanley Ramirez, um, yeah, waving him, and then immediately people started getting hurt, and just bad guys were up. And my dad is, was very upset about that. I was going to say, you're, no one's more bummed out than your father on Twitter. He every game he brings up for Hanley Ramirez. My dad really. But then there was a sort of a little. Uh, wrinkle in that plan this weekend, but I guess now that's all been cleared up. I, I was, I'm still confused by that. Yeah, I mean, it really did seem like he got thrown under the bus by some friend for no reason whatsoever. But yeah, there's yeah. a 24-hour span where people were like, the Red Sox waved him because he was in a, he was in a major drug operation. And uh, Now, was this like a Boston Globe Bob Holer special where like too many people, you know, with Tito Francona where we kick him no, out the way No, out no, 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 that? no. No, it was... It started, I forget who first reported it, but the the facts were basically right. It's just that the, you know, some fr- quote unquote friend of his got stopped and just for whatever reason decided to FaceTime Manny and pretend Manny yeah. was involved. And, Hanley. All right, all right Hanley. Uh, he should have tried Manny. I think Manny would have been more <laughs> believable. But um, <laughs> But it really, they, they keep saying he's a friend. I'm going to I'm gonna go with not a friend, Mike. Yeah, that's really, not your yeah, friend right there. He's just not. That's not a friend. Doug, not a move of a friend. Doug, you cannot be calling your friends FaceTiming during a police stop. Not a friend. Not, not your friend. Good. That's not, You're just not a friend at that point, Mike. 
but uh so that was weird but um the socks are th- the weirdest thing going on with the socks this year which I, I just don't understand for the life of me is how bad Jackie Bradley is they had three hits yesterday but going into yesterday's game he was batting 179 and this is yeah. like he's played the whole season I, he he's had terrible he was I mean Chris Davis is having I think the worst season of all time of Baltimore but, right but Bradley every time and then at the end of the lineup, like Vasquez, for some reason, can't hit it all this year. Um, it was just, you'd get to the end of the lineup, and then Betts keeps coming up with, like, nobody on base. Yeah, that's um, harder for them. But the Betts, Benintendi, Martinez, like, mm. that, like those guys, you know the Red Sox have scored more runs than the Yankees this year. I don't know yeah. if you're aware and, of that. And, you know, what's his name? Mar- uh, JD has 23 home runs now, right? Yeah. And yeah. then what does Betts have? Betts has 19 and missed like yeah, a week and, and a half. Like too. a couple weeks. Yeah. Mitch, I got to say Mitch Moreland, they waved Hanley partly to play Mitch Moreland more, and he's been right. really good this season. They're, the Red Sox are good. I, I, I actually like the team. I They need to figure out the Bradley thing, though, because I don't feel like you can go into the playoffs with two zeros at the bottom of your lineup, like just no. automatic outs. Whereas the Yankees that's have the, the opposite problem. The Yankees, have a, the Yankees have an advantage there because their lineup is so deep, even with – even with Greg Bird uh, not doing much and Sanchez hitting 190, you know, Andujar and Torres have been great at the bottom of the lineup. Just phenomenal. And you have guys so, like at AAA who are dying. Yeah. I read that article about uh, a couple of them are in AAA and they're all pissed off. They're like, we're yeah, major league players. And Brandon Drury, like, they, yeah. you know, Andujar was supposed to just come up for a little while when, and uh, when Drury had his issues with, with migraines and things. And, uh, you know, he played so well, they can't take him out of the lineup. So, you know, they went out and signed Drury in the offseason, and everybody loved that signing. It was like, oh, this is good. He'll be like the, the stopgap that will bridge the, or bridge the gap, rather, to uh, to Andujar someday, but someday is now. So, unfortunately, they're stuck down in Scranton, but it's a good place to be in that you got too many too many guys and not enough positions, which is an you know, odd place to be, but it's good. So, um you know, are some of them trade bait for a starter? I don't know. I don't know how many people are salivating over Brandon Drury, so um, or mm. Tyler Wade for that matter. So, I don't, or Tyler Austin. So, I, I don't know. But um, is Tyler Austin yeah, the guy it, who? That's the guy who Joe Kelly kicked his ass, right? Is that Tyler Austin? <laughs> well, yeah. Until Judge almost ended his life, and then the Michael Spinks to but, Joe Kelly's Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Joe Kelly. So Michael Focaro, Joe Kelly. Give me a freaking break. So. <laughs> and you know, but speaking of back to your father's Twitter feed and Hanley Ramirez last yeah. night, your uh, last night I, I saw on Twitter where he was saying that the Red Sox should should trade Blake Swihart for a reliever. Mm. I was intrigued by the notion of a of a trade market for Blake Swihart and his 149 average. Speaking of people, I don't think teams are salivating over. People are like, boy, if we could just get that Swihart away from the Red Sox, <laughs> final piece of the puzzle. He's up to a buck fifty. The, oh, there you go. The uh, the problem with the Swihart thing is every team has every team slash fan base has that one guy that they irrationally uh, right. Yeah, they think I too heard much about of him for years. Yeah, the Red Sox prospect chain. Right. Even when even when they waved Hanley, I think pretty much all the Red Sox fans are like, "This is great." Swihart's finally getting a chance. <laughs> he's, right. he's, just, <laughs> he's just been uh, he's been uh, not good. The Yankees right now are plus two twenty five to win the East. The okay. Astros are two to one plus two hundred, and the Red Sox are plus three twenty five. I actually feel like 
I feel like those are pretty good odds for the Astros. You, the Yankees have the the most ways I think to get better because you have so many prospects you can trade. Like you just go out and the get the thing, two best starters. Well, I, I would have said this was a good thing before they just got swept by the Rays, but they have one of the easier schedules in baseball. The other night on Yes, they were talking about their schedule, and they've they've basically really played the hard part of their schedule. They're still going to play the Red Sox however many more times, but they've they're done with the Astros, and and yeah, I think they're done with the Angels, and. And so whatever their schedule is, it's like the sixth easiest or whatever, which on paper would be great, except that part of that was also playing the Rays three times and lose, and the plan was not to lose three times. So on paper, everything is good, but that, that definitely helps them too, that their schedule is easier than the Red Sox in yeah, the, the second half. So the Astros are 21 and 15. Yeah. And now they're 52 and 27. Yeah. And they've scored 169 more runs than the other team. I don't understand why they're only two to one favorites. I, I still feel like yeah. they're a, a near insurmountable mountain unless you can get home field, which the Yankees or Red Sox could potentially do just because right. of the, the, uh, the crap teams in the AL East. But uh, I would still, my money would still be on the Astros. I'd, I'd be. Their pitching staff is just so they're good. They're just loaded. Their lineup. Now they're, but their bullpen is, their bullpen is shaky. The they clothes are shaky. Yeah. Yeah. But they have the McHugh. They just made a trade for some with the Royals, though. To, didn't, oh, no, that was the Nationals. Never mind. Uh, no, they had the McHugh and Peacock combo, but yeah. they could still go get a closer. Roberto yeah. Roberto Suna could be available in mid-September. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the 75-game suspension. Um, so, interesting times. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about Trump really quick. Okay. Trump, Trump versus Jimmy Fallon was the feud that I didn't know I needed on a Sunday. I noticed that. I know that came from the clouds there. I, I don't know where that came from because he went on his show like it was a long time ago, right? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why he felt the need to like, well, I mean, every every late night host now is like super political. Yeah. And I guess Fallon is like the least political. So he probably feels the need that he has to like justify and be political. No, I think he did a podcast where he talked about what a mistake it oh. was to humanize Trump. Yeah. Trump just kind of wanders around the wild, wild west. It's like, what? What do you say? It's just like ready to brawl at all times. It's like a hockey enforcer. Uh, I read these. I read these tweets from him, and I just like. I'm just like mystified about. Like he's the president of the United States, and today he he had some rant. I think it was from today about because you know Sarah Sanders went into some restaurant and they. I saw that. Yeah, I saw the tweet. And then he like murdered the restaurant today and said how like their awnings are dirty and the windows are dirty. Like yeah, you would think like being the president. I mean, I never heard of the Red Hen before as this restaurant. You know, yeah. I don't think it's like a famous restaurant. I, maybe it is. I don't know. I, I have never heard of it. But like, he's the president of the United States, and he could give up to date accounts of like how clean or dirty the Red Hen is. Also, how you does know? he know? When was the last time exactly. he was in a Red Hen? Like, he's driving by the limo and he's making notes. Like, boy, that Red Hen looks terrible. Yeah. clean that up. Get the secret. Tell the Secret Service. I I want to go to a Red Hen. I want to check it out. I have a debilitating <laughs> tweet to do. The other day, I saw he was campaigning in Nevada for Dean Heller, who's a who's a Republican senator from Nevada. His opponent is a woman named Jackie something, and so Trump's like, "I got a nickname for her. I'm not going to say it." But in the crowd, of course, of morons is like, "Yes, yeah, say it, say it." And he's like, "I call her Wacky Jackie," and the crowd goes nuts. And I'm like, "What are you like six? Like Wacky Jackie? I mean, it's just you can't wrap your head around it." And then you have Maxine Waters on the other side, and she's like. Any time a Trump, you know, cabinet official is out, they should be like harassed out of the building. Like, 
you know, this is America. This is not like, you know, 1930s Germany where, like, there's these competing mob violence in the streets. Like, I don't know. This country, it's just like, I don't know. I think I spend too much time on Twitter, so maybe it's worse on Twitter than it is in real life. Like, in real life, I don't see, like, people actually, like, screaming at each other. Maybe I don't go to the right places. But on Twitter, it makes it seem like this country is, like, headed for, like, a civil war. We're just going to break apart or something. It's like, you know, can't we just put politics aside and go to the Red Hen or go to the movies or whatever. God. Can we go crazy. to the, can we just go to the Red Hen with Sonny Gray and have a gross meal? The <laughs> <Right. laughs> Can't we just all get along in the immortal words of Rodney King or, you know. I will say so that they should watch Sly Stallone's speech at the end of Rocky Four to the Russians. Maybe Sly needs to get together. involved. I will say this feels like the worst month we've had. The the uh border stuff was the border situation stuff really, really was just dark. It was really like yeah. It's definitely uh it's hard to remember more of a rock bottom from just a human behavior standpoint. Than... And the crazy thing is, is how we just like, we careen from like news story to news story and like things that at one time would have been like the biggest story and had like flood the zone coverage, as they say, would have lasted for like a week's worth of news. Like the Trump, you know, North Korea summit, that was like two weeks ago. And it seems like it was about six months ago or a year ago. And like yeah. stuff that he said... Months ago, it seems like it happened when I was in first grade. It's just crazy how fast everything moves and everybody is just loses their mind over the next thing. So you're like, you know, not incorrectly, you were like, this is, seems like the craziest month we've had. True. And so, you know, when the next one will be next month. You know? <laughs> <Just keep> escalating. <laughs> it's the craziest month we've had until next month's crazy month. So it's just, it's a insanity. Yeah. You would have thought the craziest month was when there was no sign of the first lady for 24 days and she might've been right. dead for all we knew, but that wasn't even in the top four. I mean, I feel bad for her because she had no idea she was going to be getting involved in this when she hitched her wagon to Trump. You know, yeah. like she figured she just was going to be on Fifth Avenue and, you know, every so often she'd have to let him have sex with her. Yeah. And she'd get regular checks and access to his credit card and live, you know, live in a penthouse. She had no, no idea she was going to be the first lady and no, no, wants no part of that. You can just tell. Wants no part of him and wants no part of being the first lady. Yeah. Things are going to so, be. I'm going to make it very clear for my second wife, like that, <laughs> how it's going to work. It'd be good. I'll never run for president. You just, just have sex right. with me every once in a while. It'd be great. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, it, I keep, I keep thinking people are now kind of immune to the fact that how weird this is. Like, it, let's right. say, let's say he was the manager of the Yankees. And you just woke up and the manager of the Yankees was just attacking Red Hen for no reason and, right. and attacking Jimmy Fallon and then just doing crazy stuff like trying to trying to ban anyone who who uh, was an undocumented whatever from coming to Yankee Stadium and just all the right. stuff that he does week to week, how how we would just be flabbergasted by all of it. But, but yet with the presidency, it just seems like now now we're all kind of numb. I mean, the best comparison to him ever, and it, it's so apt, is that he's really like 1980s era George Steinbrenner. Yeah. Or he's just a complete loose cannon, and you don't know what he's going to do, and he just, you know, cascades from whim to whim, and nobody doesn't tell anybody in his staff of what he's doing. He just does it. It's all out of, like, gut and anger and, like, not a lot of forethought. 
And it's like if Steinbrenner had Twitter, basically, in the 80s, and he could have been tweeting about rumors about Dave Winfield instead of hiring, you know, gamblers or whatever, private eyes to look into his private life, like all the crazy things he did, he could have just expressed all that on Twitter. And it's just as lunatic, it's just as much of a lunacy. That would be a fun quiz for, to like a blog post. Like who did this? Was it Steinbrenner or Trump? <laughs> right. Which quote? Right. I just mean, you do quotes. Him. They really and are. You know, history would have been so much different if the NFL just let Trump buy the Buffalo Bills, or as he tried to a few years ago. Yeah. Like if they just let him buy the Buffalo Bills, and you just had this crazy eccentric, you know, Donald Sterling-esque owner in the NFL, would be so different than having a crazy eccentric Donald Sterling-esque president of the United States. So. Yeah, it all goes back to everything is Roger Goodell's fault. No matter, you can always tie it to him somehow. Right. Whatever and happens in life. You know, as a lifelong conservative Republican, like to see what the Republican Party has become, where it's this complete and total cult of personality is is just, you know, if Trump said the sky is yellow, there would be Republican spokesmen like, well, no, it is yellow. If you look at it in a certain light, they would justify whatever asininity he, he, he said that day. It's just... It's crazy. It's just crazy. It's a complete cult, and it's his party now, and it's just depressing as hell. Well, hasn't why hasn't anybody on the Republican side decided to just kind of go head-to-head with him? Like, wouldn't that person be a hero? They're scared to death of him. They're scared to death of his voters. I think for a while they were scared to death of, of him, you know, his tweets, and now they're scared to death of, of you, know, you know, they see he has these rally rallies, and people are, like, screaming and chanting for Space Force. His, his plan to have, like, a, you know army in outer space or whatever with of course he didn't brief anybody on or plan for there's no no space force organization whatsoever and they're chanting space force and you look at that and you're like what do i want to get primary to lose this guy mark sanford in, in south carolina who is a congressman and conservative congressman and he got he got challenged and, the, and trump came out and endorsed the opponent and she beat him i mean it's, so it's like they're scared to death it's trump's party these people are all like you know, the Fox News, watch Fox News, and it's like the, you know, state TV, and they do what he says. He could, he literally could say anything, and, and uh, you know, his minions are going to follow him. It's crazy. I, I mean, to sell your soul for Donald Trump, I don't get it. I don't, you know, it'd be one thing if you were worshiping Ronald Reagan or, or even George Bush, but, you know, or some other Republican luminary of the past 50 years, but to do it for Donald J. Trump, I just, I will never, ever understand that and never be able to understand it in any way, shape, or form. Well, in his defense, Space Force is a pretty cool idea. It is good, yeah. If only I was younger, I could join up for space, sign up for Space Force. <laughs> it sounds like the Will, the Will Smith movie that was in a was in development in limbo for twelve years. Space, space Force, the much maligned Will Smith project, now has a director. Space Force is that is that his weirdest idea since he's been president? Yeah, and it just came out of like left field, and I, I saw bits and pieces of his rally, and he's like, "We're gonna dom- we're going back to space. We're going to space. We're gonna dominate space." Okay, you're good. Do you think it's like space he Force. like he was out to dinner with uh, with Bob Kraft or something? Bob Kraft's right. like, "Hey, Donald, do you ever think about Space Force?" And Donald Trump's like, "What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? An army on space? It would be great. Okay, they said like, like seven bottles know, of wine in. He probably had like a cocktail napkin or something, and he's like, "We got the army; they're on the land, and the navy's on the sea, and the <laughs> air force is in the air. But what's even better than the air? Like, what's higher? Space. <laughs> we need a space force. Write that down. 
Space Force. Space Force, right there. Get that. See, tomorrow morning, find out if Space Force is taken. And that, that's like, Space what now? Force? What? Huh? My, that's just crazy. My dream radio segment would be Trump explaining Space Force to Mike Francesa <laughs> for the first time, like debuting it. Hey, uh, Mike, I have this great idea. I think you're going to love it. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful idea. And Mike, what is it, Donald? It's, <laughs> Space Force. It was so cranky the other day. I was listening briefly, and a, a guy called, and I missed part of it because I was working. I, I left work, and I was listening to it. Some guy called up, and it was almost like a statistical thing about, I don't even know what the hell they were talking about, but he started to get into statistics, and Mike hung up on him and goes, go boy, somebody else. I don't need that on my show. So then the next guy called up, and he goes, hey, Mike, that was you really handled that guy great. And Francis goes, I don't need you to review my show. <laughs> I was like, my God, were they late with the Diet Coke? He's like an assassin. He was just killing these callers. And the guy was like totally like, you know, t- typical sy- sycophant to Mike to be like, oh, that was great the way you handled it. I don't need you to review my show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a complete Tony and Mike just slapped him away. You like, think Mike God. would be out of his mind with the with the Yanks? Yeah, oh, I've yeah, enjoyed his Twitter too. He's He has these random just drive-by shootings of people on Twitter. And he's, mur- he's just murdering the Mets. The oh, that's Mets. great. I mean, he's just... Oh, drags the Mets through the ground. It's crazy. He's figured out everything on Twitter except for feuding with other people. <laughs> well, that's coming. It's coming. I, I want him like when the next rating book comes out and Michael K tries to interpret whatever he wants for Mike to get mad and then go at him on Twitter. Yeah, no question. That's that's what we need. Michael K's missing. out there saying he's winning the winning the spring ratings. <laughs> I don't know what he's looking at. Twitter force. <laughs> Twitter Force attack. <laughs> Space Force. Space Force. <laughs> Space Force. Great idea. Will Smith. Knock, lock it down, Will Smith. Jacko. <laughs> Jacko, a pleasure as always. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Take All it right. easy. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to bring in my daughter for another episode of Four Realsies, her teen culture update. But first, when you shop online, do you suddenly turn into a tab hoarder? loading dozens and dozens of new tabs on your browser in search of a promo code, just one that works. Afraid to close any of them in fear of missing out on a deal? Well, before you crash your browser yet again, try Honey. Honey is the free browser add-on that over 9 million people are using every day to save money while they shop online. Add Honey to any browser for free and then shop like you normally do. Honey scans and tests millions of coupons in the background, then automatically applies the best coupon a checkout. Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money. I could tell you for a fact this works because I was shopping for laptops recently. I need a new one. Honey ended up getting me some cash off a laptop that I needed. There's no reason not to add Honey to your browser today. It's free. It takes two clicks to install. We'll save you a ton of money. Get Honey for free. Join honey.com slash Simmons. Two words. Join Honey dot com slash Simmons to start saving with honey today. Once once again, that is joinhoney.com slash Simmons. All right. My daughter is here. She gives us the breakdown every month or so on whatever is going on with the 13 year olds, the teen pop culture. Right now, you said Millie Bobby Brown is the most important topic. Not the most important, but like one of the big ones. One of the most discussed. Yeah. Topics right now. She is from Stranger Things, which 
I didn't totally know until the last time we did this segment. <laughs> you got mad at me and you made fun of me because I didn't know who that was. I don't watch Stranger Things. You should. Well, I know. You, <laughs> you and mom were watching it. So Millie Bobby Brown, um, first of all, she had to deactivate her Twitter. So explain what happened there. Um, basically what happened was people were making it seem like she didn't support gay people and that she thought that it was horrible that people had different or like the same gender had feelings for each other, that 30-year-olds were making fun of her and saying all these horrible things about her. 30-year-olds who have nothing better to do than make fun of a 13-year-old. But she didn't She didn't say it though, right? They no, made the whole thing they up? They literally made the whole thing up. So they made the whole thing up as like a character attack on her Yeah. to try to bully her online. Yeah, it was just a bunch of different things. That wasn't the only thing. They were just completely attacking her and trying to bring her down to their level, I guess. But why? What did she do that? What, did, what, what about Millie Bobby Brown triggered these random dudes on the internet? Um, or ladies, whoever was doing this. Well, I guess it's kind of like they think if they try to bring her down, it will bring them up almost or bring her down to their level because she's like one of the really big influencers in the kid world right now I guess because of Stranger yeah. Things and stuff and I guess she's really powerful and people don't like that that like a kid is one of the more powerful people right now instead of adults being more powerful because they tend to be superior in families and things like that because they kind of run it is this your theory? well I'm just saying <laughs> like parents tend to be superior but they probably we don't are like superior. that I, yeah yeah we don't need to pretend but we're superior we I pay know, for everything but I'm not excusing. They don't really like that. They don't really like that. A kid is kind of like one of the big people right now. So they bullied her. They were super mean to her and so mean that she actually got off social media. Yeah. Did she get off Instagram or just Twitter? Just Twitter. Because that's where they were attacking her. You don't like Twitter. I don't get Twitter. Is Twitter Twitter a youth? That's not really a youth thing, right? Unless you're a celebrity. No. You're all, what's the rankings right now? Instagram's one. Snapchat. Snapchat's two. Those are like the two big ones. There aren't really anything else. You're really not on Snapchat that much unless you're hiding it from me. I don't ever use Snapchat. I don't really get it. I mean. I think you get it when like eighth grade. Yeah. Because you can start sneaking around and not telling Yeah, but that's like, you know, I can't lie. And you know, I can't do anything about it. So that app won't be good for me. Snapchat? Yeah. Maybe it'll teach you how to lie. But I don't like lying. Yeah. All the lying in our family went to our son. Ben Simmons. Yeah. Ben Simmons took all, took your lying and his lying <laughs> and became a double lie. So what happens with Millie Bobby Brown? Is it you, are you worried about her um, from well, a sanity standpoint? Because that, that's pretty rough if you're 13, you have all these yeah, people hating on you. I can't. I think she's 13 or 14. I don't remember. But um, I'm going to look it up as you're talking. Okay. Um, I think that that can be really difficult for her to deal with, especially because she's so young that it's like can kind of, I guess, affect the way that she acts and the way that she thinks about things. And she might be more protective or think a bit more about the things that she puts out. 14. I think she just turned 14. Well, I can only imagine how you would react if all these people are being mean to you. I know. You would take it personally. Yeah. And there's also not only like this, the entire thing with the adults attacking her, it's like, her and her boyfriend who cheated on her. Now they're back together and everyone. Who's the boyfriend? Jacob Satorius. And he's from? Nothing. He's a musically person. 
He's a Musical.ly person. Explain what that is. Musical.ly, it's like the app where it, it basically gives you background music and you like lip sync to it or something. That was like the huge thing in fifth grade. And <laughs> Yeah, that was like very two years ago, fifth right? fifth grade. But a bunch of people have gotten famous off of it. I don't understand why, but he was one of them. I'm amazed Ben Simmons wasn't one of them. Yeah, so she's dating Ben Simmons not one of them? He would have been them. a good Musical.ly person. He so, would have. So he... Becomes semi-famous from Musical.ly. Yeah, and then he started doing YouTube and all this stuff since he already had recognition from Musical.ly and then came, became famous. And then he dated Millie Bobby Brown, but he cheated on her. How does everybody know that he cheated on her? I don't get because that part. Because the things were leaked. Like he was Snapchatting someone. Oh, Snapchatting another girl? Uh-huh. How old is he? 15. Oh my God, I'm going to drink gasoline. <laughs> And then they got back together, but nobody likes them anymore. No, not. Well, no one liked them in the beginning because no one really likes Jacob Tutorius. He's kind of a jerk in my opinion. But So how did they do their reconciliation on social media? Um, Well, she had a bunch of posts with him yeah. before the breakup. And then she deleted all of them when they broke up or they kind of took a break, I guess. It's not yeah. a complete breakup. But then they got back together and started posting pictures together and everyone was really upset. Everyone meaning all the all the girls in your no, it's friend not group only girls. Everybody? It's like everyone. Just because you're all looking out for Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> no, we just didn't like Jacob Sartorius. Who do you want Millie Bobby Brown to date? Finn Wolfhard. Who's that? Her co-star in Stranger Things. Is that in play? What? That's in play, or you're just randomly putting them? No, together? that's in play. Everyone wants him to date. Who's how old is Finn? I think he's. I think he's older than her. Can you look it up? Uh, look up. Uh, I'll look it up as we're talking. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard? What? Finn Wolfhard. So, stra- so in the... Mo- 15. She's Finn, if you're listening, stay away from my daughter. Um, <laughs> so, Stranger Things has more of an impact than 13 Reasons Why. Well, it they're com- two completely different messages. Yeah, it's 13 like, Reasons Why is a dumb message. Horrible. I hate that show. <laughs> It bothers me that you like that show. Well, you know, I like like everything. I know. You, that's true. <laughs> I just watched five new movies and I like all of them. The 13 Reasons Why, though, I watched the last episode with you and we knew that there was a bad scene in the episode. I had to walk away. And we made you leave so we could fast forward it because I like to pretend I'm a good My parent My friends sometime. talk about that scene. Like they talk about what happened. And I was like, what? Why yeah, that's, would, that why wasn't would they good. know? It's, I don't understand the point of that show or why it had to come back for a second season. I it's get coming like back the, for a third season. I'm pretty sure. They left the last episode on a cliffhanger. Do you think they pushed the envelope with some of those themes because it makes kids like you want to watch it because you know you're not supposed to watch it? It's kind of smart. Yeah, I guess. It's like knowing, I guess, some people. I don't think this. I just like enjoy the show because I enjoy the show. And but, everyone in your grade watches it? No. Some kids aren't allowed to watch it. Some kids aren't allowed we to watch it. We only allowed you to watch it if you watched it with us. Yeah. But some people only decided to watch the last episode of the second season because they knew that something bad happened. Which Great. I don't understand. Like, why? I don't I don't know. Why? Because they wanted to see something bad happen? Yeah. They, like, literally watched the last episode of both seasons to see the worst things that happened in both seasons happen for no reason. I don't like that show. I know you don't. You've told me multiple times that you don't Stranger like that Things show. Stranger Things is way more defensible. And it's also it's also like a really good show. Stranger Things. Yeah. 
So now those two shows are done. So what do you have now? Just movies? Stranger Things is coming back. Not for a while. No. They started filming like two months ago or three months ago. And it's coming back late 2018. Like What's the December. most popular 30-minute show right now? 30-minute show. Um, A lot of people like Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy is an hour. People, You have friends that watch Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. Like on Netflix? Like all my friends watch Grey's Anatomy. What? Yeah. They the watch new ones or the old ones? All. They've rewatched it like seven times. Really? Yeah. They watch Grey's Anatomy, Pretty Little Liars. What else do they watch? What about Younger? I thought that was one of no. them though. No, I don't know any. Bachelor? Two of my other friends. We have a group chat and we talk about Bachelor on the group chat. Bachelor's really boring this year though. I know. I was on Bachelor Party with Juliet and uh, really? and Liz Kelly last week talking about, is Becca too boring? And we the answer was yes. Yeah, she for sure is too boring. Which isn't a bad thing. Like if you were on The Bachelor, if, I would want you to be boring. Yeah, but that's not the point of the show. Like right. you need someone who's going to be exciting. Like I feel like- You need Tia, someone crazy like mom. Tia would have been, no. Mom would have been a good Bachelorette no, 20 Tia, years ago. Tia should have been the pick Tia? for The Bachelor. Because she's interesting. Like she at least has background. Like Becca's boring. She doesn't really have anything special about her. I describe Tia as the as a little crazy and the type who in the Netflix movie is the one who breaks out the Ouija board and convinces everybody to <laughs> no, talk to their the dead relatives. No, she's the one that like the ex breaks up with her and then gets with someone new and she comes back to she the starts house and starts them. killing people. <laughs> uh I don't want people to think we're a great parent because we did take you to Hereditary two weeks ago. That was good. You love that one. I've seen people, like some of my friends go to that. Yeah. it was. I think it was a little overrated, like how terrifying Me it, too. Was. it was. You've seen scarier movies. It was supposed to be really scary and I didn't think it was that scary. Like, or it wasn't, you're immune to scary movies because yeah. we've watched so many of them in our house. <laughs> like if we watched that at home, it's not a movie that I would have turned off or you had thought, to walk out of. And there's the been last, movies like that. That you've turned off? Yeah, like... Oh, I won't name it. You can name it. The Unfriended, the first one. We had to turn that off. That was really scary. Yeah, that was too scary. But maybe we were just like, it was a year ago and we weren't as adapted, I guess. No, that one was scary. I want, I would rewatch it now. You guys were kind of scared by that Amityville horror movie that's on uh, the new Amityville I horror movie. I wasn't scared of that. Ben was scared of James. <laughs> James ben was <laughs> pretending to be James for the next week or so. He was scared. I kind of came into at the end, so I didn't really like get the entire plot. Remember that time we watched that horror movie about there was something wrong with the house? Oh no, that was There's every been, horror like, movie. There's been every horror movie. <laughs> we should just write a horror movie. Yeah. Where I we mean, move we... into the house and Ben goes into the attic and finds some sort of <laughs> necklace Dead. or something. Yeah. And, and then he realizes. No, he finds like, he finds some sort of box and it has old Polaroids in it and then he yeah. keeps going back up there and keeps getting more and putting them up in his room and has like, Those you know, <laughs> that black light pencil and right over his room. Yeah, we we turn on the lights and, we and turn all on of a the sudden, black lights and <laughs> the room is like filled. And maybe he's playing Fortnite and screaming, <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Oh, wait, that that's he does anyways. it anyway. Oh, yeah, he's doing that all the time. Um, he, his new thing right now is going on FaceTime with his friends and then as on FaceTime playing Fortnite and having a video showing them how to play Fortnite yeah. with his friend. He might not go to college. Might not. <laughs> <laughs> wait, we did talk about the other relationship that bothers you. 
That yeah, doesn't celebrity bother. That does not bother me. The that kissing bothers booth, Liz. The kissing booth people are dating. Yeah. So mm. who are the kissing? That's your. That's the number one hunk right now. Yeah. The What's kissing his name? booth. Jacob Alordi. So in the kissing booth, your favorite movie on Netflix that you've seen twenty times. I mean, I have, new, I, have new, I have a new. I have a I have a new movie on Netflix that I really like too. Oh, what's that one? Um, it's called Jessica Darling's It List. Yeah. It's about seventh grade, and this girl who's like kind of a weirdo going into seventh grade and has a list of rules that her popular sister gave her that she used in seventh grade, and she like uses them and tries to change herself, but it doesn't really work. And her best friend going into the new school like leaves her. And she finds a new friend group. It's really good. I like it. It's a movie? It's a movie. It's like an hour and 30 minutes. You you like movies where there's either people have to follow a list <laughs> or, or people make a pact that they can't break. <laughs> if everyone ever had a list and a pact in the same movie. You like when people aren't supposed to date, but one of them ends up liking each other. That's yeah, it's one. the kissing booth. That'd be like you and <laughs> think You better cut that out. <laughs> If you don't cut that out, well, you we have won't a couple, be friends anymore. Well, you have a couple f- male friends in your in your class. Yeah, and you don't and you don't <laughs> believe me when I say that's that's never going to work out long term. Somebody's going to like somebody at some point. <laughs> Kyle, back me up on this. Uh, you're so right. Nobody's ever like, oh, here's my very pl- close platonic <laughs> friend. How how many close platonic female friends have you met in my life in the last twenty years? 10 years, 13 years. Wait, How old are you? I'm, are you kidding me? 13. I'm 13. Um, wait, let me think. Yeah. I know someone. Aren't you know you fr- we're friends when you with get Beetle. married. Oh, yeah, that's true. And Juliet. Oh, yeah. The people and all at the of Ringer. your people at Ringer for the most part. I'm saying people that when, when I was like, I've known this girl since she was 10 and we're still friends. Yeah. They don't, but high school, happen. maybe. Doesn't happen. Uh, what other movies? Um, oh, you, there was one other movie you liked. Oh, uh, it was called Hashtag Reality High. <laughs> what was the plot of that one? Um, it kind of had the same plot as the other movie that I just mentioned. It was like about a girl who um, was kind of uncool and then the the most and had a friend who was dating the most popular guy at school, but she kind of turned into a jerk and she was like obsessed with her Instagram. And she had like eight million followers for some reason. And she was a bad friend to her. And then the boyfriend, she breaks up with the boyfriend for Fousey, who's another YouTuber who they brought into the movie to make more money. Yeah. And. Oh, they, they actually cast YouTubers? Yeah, they then cast they, a YouTuber. Smart. To make more money. Smart. But, um, and then she, the kind of weird girl starts dating her old boyfriend. And then the other friend. This sounds horrible. The other friend befriends her again and like apologizes and brings her on her Instagram live show or whatever and then embarrasses her and says that she's like stalking her or something. Oh, so it gets becomes like a thriller? No. Oh. She like set, lies about it and says that she's oh. stalking her. But that kind of changes the girl so the boyfriend doesn't like that girl as much anymore. And then they all resolve and... Get back together. You've seen so many of these. Maybe you could just come up with your own movie I, platform. I could honestly them. write my own. I know exactly what I want in a movie and I haven't really completely found it yet. <laughs> what is it? Tell us. I want like what I've talked about in the first movie. Yeah. Like a mix of The Kissing Booth and Jessica Darling's It List. I need a mix of that and I haven't made that yet. And I'm really upset What's about it. What's a mix of it though? Explain it's it. Kind, it'd have to be like 
kind of betraying the best friend for the brother. Yeah. But going through middle school instead of high school because I can relate to that more. And like dealing with middle school and like having to change themselves with a list. So it'd have to be a list and breaking the brother's rules or the best friend's rules for the brother. So like I'm a mix of it all. So you've kissing with your favorite thing was that she wasn't supposed to like the brother, but she ended up liking him. Yeah. And maybe you can do it with like a neighbor. Maybe it's like a next door neighbor oh. that you, they made a pact that they would never date. I, I, w- I would write a movie. I could do it. You like that Drew Barrymore movie, Never Been Kissed. Never Been Kissed. <laughs> that That's a terrible. good movie. No, it's not. <laughs> well, it got creepy because the teacher was attracted to yeah, somebody I mean, he thought was in high school. If you think about it, it's really creepy. Like, yeah, I guess. Because he didn't even know that she was a teacher and he was attracted to her, which is weird. But What about a Netflix movie about a girl who gets talked into being the quarterback on the eighth grade flag football team? Oh, my God. I falls hate for the wide you. receiver. <laughs> Um, T- tell, to explain to the audience why you wouldn't be the flag football QB. Everyone's asked you to do it. Why won't you do it? I don't understand. Because I don't want to. But you don't want to. Why? Because I don't. You have a cannon arm. Because I don't. This could be your, your Netflix movie. We can sell the rights. someone back me up on this and attack him on Twitter because he won't leave me alone? You, we could sell the rights to Netflix. What do you mean? About the, the flag football QB. Okay, who that doesn't a, mean who that made I, a pact. That with, doesn't mean that I have to play flag football. Who made a pact with the wide receiver that they were going to follow a list? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Has she seen Little Giants? Maybe that'll maybe that yeah, would, Little Giants. Have I seen that? Movie? That might convince you. That yeah. girl was cool. Yeah, that girl was cool in Little Giants. <laughs> she had a cannon. What was there? Was one other movie you wanted to, that you liked? What other movie? I thought there was a third movie. Wait, let me think. No, no, there was. Oh, I watched. I didn't completely watch the movie so i can't really talk about this one i can't remember a great great review <laughs> well i i remember the beginning of the movie and the plot of the movie was like this girl and her best friend who's gay it was a guy best friend and they had like a no kiss list see it's another list, another list. it's another list of who they couldn't date basically and they kind of both fall for the same person Oh, a girl and a boy fell for the same guy. Oh, that's a good wrinkle. I didn't finish the movie, but that's all I saw. It was pretty interesting. I wish so I when finished you're, it. You know how Netflix suggests movies to you? Yeah. Oh, Does that's, Netflix that's just how I find all my movies. Packs? Yeah, it, I ser- it seriously movies. is. Horror I, movies where something's wrong with the house. It has suggested for me, and then I found Jessica Darling's It List. I found like five movies that are looked really good, and then there were like three horror movies. You love Netflix. You don't want to talk about Instagram selfie culture today? No, I don't want to talk about that today. You don't want to talk about the Instagram post that made you take down? No. You betrayed me. It was not. Okay, everyone has to understand that it was not a bad picture. You made me mad. (laughs) A lot of things make you mad. I told you to delete it. And I said, if you ever did that again, I was taking your phone. Yeah, and I didn't do it again, did I? Well, we'll see. It's it's a long summer. Yeah, but you make it. Seem what is like- it with the girls heading to eighth grade with these like? Here's me in a bathing suit, and here's, here's I don't me have any up. bathing suit. I'm not saying you, ever. but it's it's a thing now. It's like I this eighth grade, like here, check check me out. Like I don't know, I don't get it. If you looked at some of my friends' Instagram, you probably would not be happy. 
You act like I haven't looked at your friend's Instagram. You have? What do you think I do? I go As soon as you fall asleep, <laughs> I go on your phone and look at all the people you're following. I know. I know you do. I think the eighth graders need to calm down on, on the Instagram is my advice to the kids out there. I mean, all the kids at my school aren't really that bad. What's all the funny kids is, at other schools are horrible. The boys don't do it. Like you don't see like Gabe just like a, sh- a shirtless selfie picture. You'd be surprised. I w- oh God, kill me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on. We need to name this segment. What's it called? Teen, uh, teen culture watch. What do you no, think, no, boo, boo. Teen. Like it seems for- like a fireside chat with Zoe Simmons. I don't know what fire. This is, <laughs> this is like an inside <laughs> chat. Teens in. It has to end with inside. Something. I found out. What about for realsies? I like that. Oh yeah, for realsies. All right. But would that be on your podcast? Well, we'll see. Is, <laughs> we'll call it for realsies. Um, um, whoever did that, good job. <laughs> nephew Kyle, I have a really embarrassing picture of him from when he was like. Oh nine my god! Years yeah, old. I saw that. So do I put that on my Twitter or the Ringer Twitter? Which one do I do? Both. Okay. That's the best picture I've ever seen. How did you get this? She's texted me it the other day. It's like, yeah, it's it, it's of him with a bull cut. You had a bull cut. My parents used to cut my hair. <laughs> Unbelievable. Your your cousin. Can I um, post a picture on your Twitter of you when you're a kid? Because I guarantee everyone would be surprised. It's it's not great. He looks like a girl. <laughs> well, I had I did have a bull haircut at one point. A bull haircut. It was like well, a haircut way, that went Boston, to your shoulder. You were in Boston all week. Oh yeah. Shout out to Boston. Dunkin' Donuts, shout out to you. <laughs> yeah. Zoe, as always, a pleasure. A pleasure. I'll see you at the house. All right, that's it. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Don't forget about Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. I'm going to be on that this week. And don't forget about the rewatchables. We did Forrest Gump last week. People love that one. Uh, Devil Wars Prada coming up this week. And then a week from this week, July 4th, the one I'm most excited about, the most excited I've been since Heat for a rewatchables podcast, Jaws. Oh, yeah. Me, Sean Fantasy, Chris Ryan. This might be our first three hour rewatchables. Wesley Morris, we miss you. We wish you could have been in this one. Anyway, uh, back later in the week with more BS podcasts. Until then. <laughs>